Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. Some kind of a day for a podcast. That's the way a lot of baseball announcers would open their broadcasts. Some kind of a day for baseball. Anyway, hello. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. I am Ken Levine. And baseball is back. Thank goodness. And although I don't talk a lot about baseball, I'm sure a lot of you know my background, where I was a baseball play-by-play announcer, three years in the minors, then five years with the... Uh, Seattle Mariners, a year with the Baltimore Orioles, and three years with the San Diego Padres. And I also, for eight years, over two stints, hosted Dodger Talk in Los Angeles and on the Dodger Radio Network. And that was a crazy experience. I mean, doing a talk show anyway is kind of bizarre, but doing a talk show for a team and it's crazy fan base was very interesting indeed. And I have a rather unique approach to doing one of those shows. So I thought I would talk about that today and kind of reminisce some crazy stories of my uh, Dodger Talk days. And then I would wrap it up by playing you a half inning of my baseball play-by-play. So if you have not heard what I sound like calling games, you will. So that's today. Hollywood and the Vine. My first love in radio is doing baseball play-by-play. Actually, that's my second. My first is doing podcasts. But uh, a close second is baseball play-by-play. And in the mid-'90s, for three years, I was doing the San Diego Padres on the weekends. It was a great gig. I was able to continue all of my TV work during the week. And on Saturday and Sunday, I either went down to San Diego to do the Padres if they were at home, or I got on a plane Friday night and met the team wherever they were in Philadelphia or Pittsburgh or Cincinnati. And uh, I was basically filling in for their number one announcer, Jerry Coleman, who at the time was doing the CBS radio game of the week every Saturday. So they needed somebody for the weekends. Well, after three years of that, CBS lost the rights to ESPN and Jerry was back full time. And so they didn't need me. And I was really kind of bummed out because I really missed being part of the game. And uh, the Dodgers then changed stations, and they were on a new station, XTRA, and they were an all-sports station. 
and they were putting together their Dodger Talk show, which is the pre- and post-game show where, you know, you talk about the game and you take phone calls, that sort of thing. And uh, a consultant for the radio station lived up in Seattle and was a fan of mine when I did the Mariners. And so he suggested to the program director, Mike Thompson, uh, why don't you get this guy to do it? So they contacted me and they hired me to do Dodger Talk. And it was great when they were home because I would just do it from the stadium. But when they were on the road, I didn't travel and I would go to the station. And I had a co-host (laughs) <laughs> who is the, the the worst co-host ever. You know, I always saw these shows as entertainment. I mean, my approach to doing Dodger Talk is this is like the David Letterman show, but we're going to talk a little sports along the way. Primarily, it was to be entertaining. Most of these programs are just deadly. You know, uh, the way I I called it prior to when I was there, it was Dodger talk for scouts because they just analyze the the pitch selection and uh, nobody cares other than absolute diehard fans. I wanted to make the show entertaining and I'm saddled with this partner and I'm doing a joke and right on the air, this guy goes, well, that's not funny. Uh, What do you think? That's funny. Like, well, Okay, throw me right under the bus. Uh, He had to read the scores, and so I called him the Sultan of Scores, and he goes, what does that mean? I said, well, it's kind of a takeoff of uh, Beirut was the Sultan of Swat. Huh? He was? Well, so what does that have to do with me? Yeah, this, this was my partner. At Dodger Stadium, however... It was great because he wasn't my co-host and I had a wireless microphone and I was down on the field. And the idea of that, of course, is to be able to interview players in the dugout and that sort of thing. And what I would do, I had a feature called dugout to dugout and I would take my wireless mic live on the air and I would go from the Dodger dugout across to the visiting dugout. And along the way, I would stop and interview anybody who crossed my path. So it could be a ball player, it could be a coach, it could be the person who's going to be singing the national anthem that day, it could be a barbershop quartet, it could be Tiger Woods who was standing around watching batting practice one day. Whoever it was, I interviewed them and I had a great time. And uh, I had a co-host named Vic the Brick Jacobs. And if you're from Los Angeles, you know all about Vic the Brick. Uh, He's quite a character, this very Zen Jewish guy with a Fu Manchu mustache and uh, always wearing furs and things like that. He's quite the character. He was kind of my Bud Melman. And, uh, you know, we'd have tickets and things like that to give away. And I would send Vic up to the stands and I would say, find me somebody who has a little tiny screwdriver that can fix glasses. And when you find that person, we'll give them tickets. 
and he would be just going through the stands, bothering people. It was it was great fun. So I had a really good time with him. And my co-host for that particular program was a very bright, very funny individual named Derek Hall. And Derek Hall decided, yeah, maybe broadcasting wasn't for him. Maybe he would get into sports management. Flash forward, Derek Hall is now the president of the Arizona Diamondbacks. And I'm sitting here doing a podcast. Then after a few years, they lost the rights to another radio station, KFWB. And KFWB cut way back on Dodger programming. They were an all-news station then. Now they're Spanish oldies, I think. But they were an all-news station, and they didn't want as much uh, pre- and post-game Dodger coverage. So, you know, I was out of a job, radio. And then they lost the rights about three, four years later to KABC, which was the station that had been carrying them for many, many years. And uh, they called me. And they wanted me to audition to do Dodger Talk. And I said, okay, how do I audition to do Dodger Talk? Uh, It's November. And they said, well, we're going to start a show on Sunday night, the KBC Sunday night sports final. And we are going to use it to audition various candidates to see who we want to put together for our Dodger Talk coverage. It's a two-hour show, and um, each week we'll have uh, two different people or we'll start pairing up people that we like, et cetera, et cetera. So every week I'm going down to the station and I'm doing this Sunday night show on KABC, meeting my partner 15 minutes before we go on the air. And some partners you click with and other partners you don't. I, I had one guy who his claim to fame was he was the PA announcer for the Harlem Globetrotters. And since it's November and December, we're not talking baseball at all. No one cares about baseball. So we're talking football and basketball. And quite frankly, I'm bored by the NFL, so, you know, I have to do all this homework and studying. You know, yeah, the Minnesota Vikings, uh, you know, really having trouble in the secondary. It's like, who the fuck cares? You know, I'm trying to get a Dodger job. So I'm, I'm doing this like every other week, and they pair me up with somebody. Oh, and the other thing is that KBC, primarily a talk station, and on the weekends they would have a lot of infomercials. So nobody was listening. Nobody who was interested in sports even knew that KBC had a sports program. And I was following colon blow hour uh, programs. Nobody was listening to this thing. So you're not getting any calls. You know, you're just having to carry on a conversation with uh, a guy who can tell you about Meadow Lark Lemon and not much else. And uh, they finally decide the two people they want are me and Josh Sushan. And uh, Josh turned out to be a fantastic partner. Uh, We were together for three years. Josh is now the voice of the Albuquerque Isotopes, and we remain good friends. At some point, I'm going to have him on the podcast. But he was a terrific partner. And uh, we start off by... 
<laughs> by the Dodgers going to Beijing. Okay, this was a big promotion during spring training. They went off to Beijing, and Josh was more the reporter. I was more the host of the show, and Josh was more the reporter. So he got to travel with the team from time to time, and uh, he got to go to Beijing. But the contract stated that we had to do like an hour's worth of Dodger talk after every game. Well, the games were carried live from Beijing starting at midnight L.A. time. So Dodger talk basically was 3.30 to 4.30 in the morning. First of all, none of the regulars went, okay? Because none of the regulars wanted to fly 24 hours and do these two exhibition games in these basically Little League fields and and then fly back another 24 hours. So basically you had all these minor leaguers for the Dodgers and I think they were playing the Padres and the Padres also had minor leaguers. Nobody knew who these people were. Nobody cared who these people were. And, uh, you know, and I'm on the phone with Josh and we're supposed to be taking phone calls. Who's calling at four o'clock in the morning? <laughs> so that was, that was my first uh, post-game Dodger talk games. And then for spring training, since uh, the station did not want to carry all of these spring training games, and you can understand it because these are meaningless games. There's like no crowd noise. Nobody really gives a crap. So you don't want to, you know, do 30 of these over the course of a month. So what KBC arranged to do with the Dodgers was uh, carry the games on the weekends. And during the week, they would have an hour Dodger talk show from six to seven at night that I would host. And Josh was uh, with the Dodgers in spring training. And so I'm sitting in the studio and I know nothing, (laughs) you know, because, you know, what happened in the intra-squad game or who pulled a hamstring? I I knew nothing. And, and, and I'm hosting this show and sometimes uh, Josh was traveling with the team, so he was not available for like a half an hour uh, into the show. So I'm on the air for like a half an hour basically saying, well, uh, you know, they did their jumping jacks today. I, there's nothing to talk about. Had to do that for an hour. And uh, as a result of that, we preempted an hour of the afternoon host's show, Larry Elder. And this guy is just a dick. Uh, he took it out on me as if it was my fault and I would come in to do the show and he wouldn't talk to me. He just absolutely wouldn't talk to me. Like I said, Larry Elder is a, is a dick. Opening day, this was 2008 and it was one of the great experiences of my life. And here's why they had a big opening day ceremony And the two Dodger radio announcers, Charlie Steiner and Rick Monday, had to be down on the field to participate in it. So who was going to open the broadcast but me? So I got to be on the Dodger radio network and begin the season, and I'm describing all of the pomp and circumstance and that sort of thing. But here's the thing that was so great. I got to introduce Vin Scully. So 
Vin Scully began the year with my introduction. And like for me, that's like one of the great moments of my life. So for Dodger Talk, when it was on KBC, for all of the home games, I was at Dodger Stadium. And for all of the road games, I would go to the station in Culver City and do the show. And I always made myself available in the clubhouse. And people always say, well, do players get pissed at you? Yeah, from time to time. And if they do, I wanted to make myself available to be able to talk to them. You know, there's some guys like Jim Rome who just takes all these pot shots at players, but he never goes down to the clubhouse. You know, he's just like afraid to talk to these guys. Well... I was always there. And we had a pitcher at the time named Jason Schmidt. And he had been a very effective pitcher for the Giants. And then the Dodgers got him as a free agent and paid lots and lots of money for the guy. And then the guy had like this mystery shoulder injury. And so people were just calling, hammering Jason Schmidt and hammering the Dodgers what a horrible deal. This was like $14 million just thrown right out the window. And, you know, I have to defend the guy. Like, you know, what am I going to do? What am I going to say? And so decided to have a little fun with it because everyone was always asking, so what's with uh, Jason Schmidt today? And you go, well, uh, you know, he had treatment for his shoulder. Uh, $14 million, uh, fucking waste of time, although we would bleep the fucking out. And uh, so I decided, well, let's put together a feature on the show called the Jason Schmidt Medical Update. And I got this, you know, real deep voice announcer to intro it. And I had this, it was like the NBC fanfare at the beginning, you know, it's time now for the Jason Schmidt Medical Update. da 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 And then I'd say, okay, Josh, what is today's Jason Schmidt medical update? And Josh would say, he had a rub down. That's the Jason Schmidt medical update for the day. And then we had a closing fanfare and that sort of thing. And it was very funny. But apparently he heard about it and was pissed. So I'm in the clubhouse and I hear about that. So I go up to him and I introduce myself. And, uh, you know, he MFs me a few times. And I say, look, here's the thing about the Jason Schmidt medical update. I said, number one, I'll take it off. I don't care. It's not that big a deal. Okay, if it pisses you off, I'm happy to remove it. I said, but it does two things. Number one, it says to the audience that you're a good sport. And number two, it deflects all the calls we get saying that the Dodgers made a horrible deal by signing you. And he stopped and he went, huh, yeah, thank you. Okay, keep doing it. And so we continue to do the Jason Schmidt medical update. Most of the time, we would take listener calls. And this was, at times, very trying. Because if you've ever heard one of these shows, you know, it's, it's generally... 50% regulars who call up every night. And we always would say, you know, you can only talk once a week. 
but they would like try to disguise their voice. And you knew who they were in a second because they always bitched about the same thing. You know, you'd have a guy call up saying, fire Joe Torrey. And then he would call up the next day using a different voice saying, fire Joe Torrey. And it was clearly the same guy. Uh, we would have to, to deal with them. When we did Dodger Talk from Dodger Stadium, we had like our own studio. And the equipment was terrible. The equipment never worked. Half the time, we couldn't even get the calls. And we found out that we received way more calls when they lost than when they won. You know, because people are calling up to bitch if they lost. Uh, And if they won, then, you know, no one's going to call and say, hey, that was a real nice game. I I enjoyed it. But if somebody makes an error, if the manager makes a poor decision, then we're getting a lot of phone calls. So I'm sitting up in the press box and, yeah, I'm kind of rooting for the Dodgers. On the other hand, I'm thinking to myself, you know, if they lose tonight it's going to be a lot easier to do the show because the phones are going to be lit up from start to finish. But the big problem with taking calls, and I'll be very candid here, is that a lot of the people, not all, but a lot of the people who call are idiots, absolute idiots. They'll be proposing trades Like, uh, why don't we trade Vicente Padilla, who was this rag-arm pitcher, for Derek Jeter? Oh, sure. No problem. I'm sure the Yankees would would kill to make that deal. We had a guy, and this, this guy was one of my favorites, Sam from, I believe, Monrovia. And he would call all the time. And Sam loved this utility player we had named Juan Pierre. And he wanted to get Juan Pierre into the All-Star game as a write-in ballad. So, you know, you go out to the ballpark and they used to have stacks of All-Star ballads. You can now vote online, but they also had these stacks. And, you know, you would just grab three or four and, you know, you would punch the players that you wanted to vote for and stick it in the bin. And... He collected thousands and thousands of these because he figured in order to get him in, he needed 30,000 votes, and that's what he was going to do. So he had like 40,000 all-star ballots in his car, and we figured he had to do like about 7,000 a day, and he fell behind (laughs) <laughs> and he, he calls me up after the voting had closed and said, oh, man, I don't know what to do. I have 35,000 all-star ballots in my trunk. <laughs> Next year, vote online. Juan Pierre, he was primarily an outfielder, and we had a second baseman named Jeff Kent who was a very good player but got hurt. And Juan Pierre, filling in in left field, was hitting very well. So I got a caller one day saying, well, why don't the Dodgers just put Juan Pierre at second base? And I said, because Juan Pierre is a left-hander and you can't have a left-handed second baseman. Okay. 
Next day, somebody else calls with the same question, and I have the same answer. This happens like three, four times in a row. So I start a broadcast, and the first question, why can't Juan Pierre play second base? So I said, okay, going to do something a little different tonight, guys. You can ask me whatever question you want to ask, but first, I'm going to ask you a question. And here's the question I'm going to ask you. Why can't Juan Pierre play second base? And the answer is because he's left-handed. Okay? So when I ask that question, that's the answer, because he's left-handed. Now, I thought by doing this, I would have 14 people repeat through the course of the hour why Juan Pierre can't play second base. So I go and I do the show and I ask everybody these questions and I had about 14, 15 callers through the course of the hour. How many got it right? Two. (laughs) Two. And people said it was maybe my funniest show and all I did when I say, so why can't Juan Pierre play uh, second base? Uh, well, because uh, he's Jewish. Uh, yeah, yeah. Whatever they said. And I would just go, uh-huh, okay, really? Okay, right, that, that's, that's what you think? That's all I did. It's like I'm not doing any jokes at all. I, I don't have to. I'm the straight man because of all of these idiots. And it got to be very wearing. By the third year of doing this, It was tough. Plus, the Dodgers at the time were owned by this carpetbagger, Frank McCord. And he and his wife, Jamie, owned the team, but were getting divorced. And it was really ugly. And the team was right in the middle of it. Each of them was trying to gain control of the team. And like I said, very, very ugly. And so all of the calls... That year were, I hate the owner. I hate the owner. Get rid of the McCourts. Uh, The McCourts are terrible. They're destroying the team. They're destroying baseball. Now, I'm in a tough position because I'm employed (laughs) basically by the team. And, you know, on the one hand, you don't want to just be a shill for the organization because then you have no credibility. You know, you have to be able to criticize Otherwise, people are just going to think you're a house organ and they're not going to take you seriously. On the other hand, like I said, you're sort of representing the team. So I always said that my job hosting Dodger Talk was polishing turds. But after three years of that, that was that was pretty much uh, enough for me. The second year, one of the salesmen at the station sold a traffic report in the pregame show. And the Dodger announcers said, we're, we're not going to do a traffic report. So they came to me and said, would you do the traffic report? And I said, no. And they said, we'll give you a lot more money. And I said, yeah, okay, then I'll do it. And the way I would do the traffic report, there are websites that have all of the traffic information from different cities, that type of thing. You know, you log in, you have your password, and then you go to Los Angeles traffic or Seattle traffic, whatever. And one day we were playing up in San Francisco, and I was at the station, and I wondered how many people actually listened to the traffic report. So what I did is I logged on to the website, and I went to San Francisco. And so my traffic report that night was all San Francisco. 
<laughs> it was just like, and uh, there's a 15-minute delay uh, in Marin County if you're going over the Golden Gate Bridge. On the East Bay, uh, the 880 is clogged from Berkeley to such and such. You know, I'm given all this San Francisco thing, waiting to see how many people actually call or write the station complaining. Nobody. Not one single call. We had a contest. Salesmen were great at KBC. We had a contest where we were giving away hair restoration kits. <laughs> and one of our sponsors was a gambling casino. And uh, another time, one of the Dodger PR people came up to me during the game and he said, uh, I just got a complaint from uh, a listener. Uh, did you call Barack Obama a capitalist stooge on Dodger Talk? And I said, what? What do you think? And he said, well, this listener heard me calling Obama a capitalist stooge. Well, there is a conservative, crazy talk show host on KBC named Mark Levin in the afternoon. And that's who they confused me with. But I said to this Dodger guy, seriously, you're coming up to me with this? You seriously think that that's what I would do on Dodger Talk? Uh, fun days. Fun day. Well, now the Dodgers are on yet another radio station, and they have other people doing Dodger Talk. And I miss being around the game, and I miss the players, and I miss hanging around with the media. But I have to say, I don't miss doing it 162 times a year. And... I don't miss all of the callers, maybe Sam from Monrovia. Okay, coming up next, I did this last year too. I thought I'd play you a sample of me calling baseball play-by-play. This is the kind of approach to baseball play-by-play that I had, which I think is kind of unique, especially in these days when more and more teams are going to real generic young announcers. But uh, this is from a few years ago when I did part-time play-by-play for the Mariners. Uh, my partner is Rick Riz, and an example of me doing play-by-play next on Hollywood and Levine. 710 ESPN Seattle. Wake up with Mike and Mike in the morning. For the play-by-play here on the top of the six, here's Kenny Levine. Thanks very much, Ricky. Hi again, everybody. Three to one in favor of the Mariners over the Twins, and it will be Joe Mauer leading it off, followed by Josh Willingham and then Justin Morno. So the big guys coming up for the Twins against Iwakuma, who was perfect through the first four. I mean, it's kind of a tough act to follow after Felix Hernandez with his perfect game on Wednesday. The first pitch on the way, a change off the outside, one ball and no strikes. And I guess for Iwakuma, I mean, it has to be like, Ricky, you're auditioning for Mork and Mindy, and you come in (laughs) behind Robin Williams. Yeah, good luck with that one. Yeah, exactly. Or you're on the Ed Sullivan Show, and you're following the kid act. Uh Uh-huh. That's tough. (laughs) Or the Beatles. Yeah, yeah, that's tough. Yeah, that would be tough. That's way tough. 2-0 the count to Maurer. Joe 0 for 2 tonight. Was robbed. A great diving catch by Trayvon Robinson. 
Now he swings, lifts the ball, foul off to the left out of play. And the count, two balls and one strike. Well, Mariner fans are taking pictures of themselves, posing like Felix Hernandez after his perfect game with one leg up and both hands, you know, pointed up to the sky. I did that earlier, actually. They, they took a picture of me, and you can be part of the conversation. Just uh, follow and interact at, at Mariners on Twitter. Swing and a miss. Two balls and two strikes took me about five minutes to to get my picture because of my great bound i kept falling off you know I, I i couldn't hold my my leg up very long i kept take the picture take the picture already almost fell out of the booth those gymnastic lessons didn't take when you were a kid no they didn't Four or five i guess old. two two pitch now is high and away to joe mauer and the count is full three balls and two strikes we're trying to get that thing trending with people posing like Felix. Go to at Mariners <laughs> on Twitter. You can see a picture of me, and, and I truly do look ridiculous. 3-2 pitch, bouncing ball over the mound, behind second base, diving stop by Ryan, and he's got no play. But what an amazing play by Brendan Ryan, angling probably 50 feet to his left, smothering that ball and preventing it from going into center field. Wow infield base hit here comes Josh Willingham now listen how quiet the crowd suddenly got I, I think they're just stunned by that play Mariners leading the American League in defense and Brendan Ryan a big reason why Willingham takes a mighty cut comes up empty 0 and 1 now you got a runner on at first base. You sure like to see Hisashi, you know, keep that rhythm. You know, when, when he slows things down, that's when he tends to get in trouble. You'd still like to see him work with that good tempo. Mm-hmm. And his infielders would sure like that as well. Exactly. Yep. Now we're off the bag at first. And the pitch home. There's a slider outside. One ball and one strike. So Kevin did a little research. And found out the act that did follow the Beatles Come on. back in February of 1964. It was an act that uh, I saw in Europe. My <laughs> wife Sylvia and I saw when we were touring Europe. A guy named Fred Kappa followed the Beatles. Swing and a one-hopper to short. The feed to second one on the first double play. Hit it over to the vacuum cleaner there at short, Brendan Ryan. So Willingham hits into a double play, two outs, bases empty. Wells Fargo has always been there working with you to help you reach your financial goals. Now and in the future, they'll continue to provide sound financial guidance and a commitment to customer service. Wells Fargo is with you when you want to keep moving forward. Wells Fargo, together, will go far. Justin Morneau now standing in from the left side. He is one for two. And Iwakuma starts him off with a strike. Nothing and one. A fastball at 90 miles an hour. When you said that about the act following the Beatles, did everybody, like myself, go like, who? <laughs> what, who was that guy? Fred Kappa, for gosh sakes. Swing and a miss. Snowballs and two strikes. Was that the guy spinning the plates? I always remember that guy. Who's Fred Kappa? I don't know. He's some yeah, guy that, uh, that Ed <laughs> and his lovely wife, Celia, saw while they toured right here. Europe. Right here in our right show. Here. 
On the 0-2 pitch now. It's outside, ball one. One ball and two strikes. Topo Gigio, the little Italian mouse. My mother loved the uh -huh. Topo Gigio. Oh, hey, Eddie. I love you. Iron Ross and the Supremes. <laughs> For all you youngsters out there. One and two. <laughs> two outs, bases empty. Morno waits. Iwakuma deals. In there. Strike three call. Nothing fancy. A fastball. And that is strikeout number five for Iwakuma. So no runs ahead and nobody left. On to the last of the sixth here at Safeco Field. Still the Mariners three and the Twins one. I sure miss doing it. It was a whole lot of fun doing baseball play-by-play. -play. That's going to do it for this edition of Hollywood and Levine. As always, our thanks to Adam and Susie Meister-Butler, Howard Hoffman, John Wolford, and Randy Thomas. If you want to get in touch with me for any reason whatsoever, I have an email address, hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. That's hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at Ken Levine. I'm also on Instagram. I'm everywhere. Uh, Instagram, it's... Hollywood and Levine. We will see you again next week. Thanks so much for listening. Bye bye, everybody. Hollywood and Levine. Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile and get fiber powered internet at home and unbeatable 5G reliability on the go. So whether you're playing a game at home, yes, cool, or attending one live, no! you can do more without spending more. Learn how to save at cox.com slash internet. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial cable. Cox Mobile runs on the network with unbeatable 5G reliability as measured by Ookla LLC in the U.S. to H2023. Results may vary, not an endorsement. Other restrictions apply.